0: I have now ruined two cameras using Filtrox speed boosters. To give the details is important here because I need to say what cameras and what lenses and what happened to be fair to tell the story accurately. To to start out with this, I just have to say kind of lament here. I really love the concept of using a speed booster for micro four-thirds cameras. You can take... Like, for example, a 50 millimeter 1.8. Very inexpensive, and there's a lot of these available from Nikon especially. And you can turn that into a 35 f1.2. And the cost of these Viltrox speed boosters is is really good. Um, For the Nikon mount, which is the all-manual version, it's about like $79, something something around there. And then the Canon mount version, which I made a video about, and then later I had a problem electronic problem with my GX85. And so I had to stop recommending the Canon mount. It's about 220, something like that. But both of these are so much less expensive than the Metabones versions that I just, it's like to get into using a speed booster was so affordable. Now there's a third brand that um, I'm not sure what to do about yet, but it's Pixco and Pixco is a company that is probably smaller than Viltrox. Well, we know they're probably smaller because Viltrox now makes lenses and they're starting to do a really good job in the lens market. But as far as price, Pixco is sometimes even less than Viltrox. Now, Pixco, just as a warning here, Pixco has some focal reducers that don't always focus to infinity. And it's like, what do you mean always? Well, I, I say. I'm just not going to go into too much detail until I do more testing on this one. But, for example, the Canon FD focal reducer speed booster from Pixco did not uh, close... Sorry, it close focuses, but it does not focus to infinity on the Canon FDN 51.4. However, on the 51.8, FDN 51.8, it focuses better. Now I'm not going to say it focuses to infinity perfectly because I still have to test that more. But I'll just say this. They're taking risks by putting a an adapter out there um, whatever specification it is whether it's closer or further away as far as the the flange distance from the sensor. It's a risk because some people are going to buy it and use the, you know, lens that's not compatible with it. And then they're just gonna think the whole brand is bad, or maybe just that one is is bad. You really have to test it for each lens. But it's just showing that the focal reducer market it's a it's a really interesting thing. The big brand, which we all know probably is is Metabones, and their focal reducers are around six hundred dollars. So the reason I haven't been recommending those, I'm not saying I don't recommend them, but the reason I haven't purchased them and tested the Metabones, I do have one. Um, I bought it for about $200 used because it has a scratch on it. And I didn't know that when I bought it, but I bought it used. And my, my first clue into the fact that the back of a speed booster could get scratched was that. However, I didn't have a story. I didn't have a knowledge of exactly how it happened. So I don't know if, well, let me tell you what happened to my Nikon mount, Viltrox Focal Reducer, and you'll hear the scariness about scratching. As I said, the Canon mount, I stopped using a while back because of the problems. And I, and I have a YouTube short about this. I have a notes in my video, my longer video, which say, hey, update, you know, I no longer use this adapter, so be careful. And then since this time, or since that time, I've had people leave comments, and I have had people um, thank you very much, by the way, if you were one of the people who left a comment saying, you know, what if you factory reset the Panasonic GX85? Maybe that'll fix the electronic problem. You know, I've tried that, and it's not really fixing the problem. Um, But I still can use it in manual focus. The only issue is I'm still having problems changing shutter speed. So the dial that changes the shutter speed uh, doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's, it's erratic. So that's kind of a problem. Now you might say, well, you're supposed to stay, you know, the 180 degree shutter rule, you're supposed to say, you know, just double the frame rate anyway. Well, when I'm doing lens testing, if you read some of my articles about that, I don't use filters to start out with. I use the shutter speed to adjust the exposure when outdoors so that I can see exactly what the lens is doing. And then, of course, I'm starting to test filters now because I know you got to use a filter outside, but it's a different set of settings because, you know, filters do affect the whole light scattering and how the light goes through the lens before it hits the sensor, which is really neat um, as well as challenging. But let's go back to the Nikon mount now because I've already told the story of the Canon mount. If you haven't heard the story, um, you can read my conversations and notes on my YouTube short about it. Or um, maybe I'll give a summary at some point in this episode too. So the Nikon mount, I thought the Nikon mount was going to work because there are no electronic contacts. And so I started recommending that and telling people, if you don't um, need autofocus, which is not that good on the cameras I'm using anyway, because these are pre-Panasonic phase detect cameras, I was just telling people, you know, buy the Nikon mount, uh, Viltrox uh, speed booster. Well, what happened? What happened is I dropped my Panasonic G85 with the Viltrox NF M43X, which is the Nikon F mount uh, focal reducer, and I had a 70 to 300 on it, and I was shooting uh, sports. So I was on the edge of a track, you know, how tracks are rubberized asphalt. Well, if I was on the track, It would have been fine, but I was right on the edge of the track, and I dropped it, and it was cement. And what happened is I started taking pictures again, and I looked, and up in the upper left, where the sky is, the blue sky, there was a scratch in every picture. So, of course, because everything is upside down and backwards on the sensor, I took the lens off, and I looked, and sure enough, on the lower right corner, which is the opposite of where you'll see it in the pictures, there was a scratch so then what happened well the laws of physics <laughs> i guess uh, would say that when you drop something depending on how high uh and it was just i was standing up um so i dropped this from my hands down to the ground for something feet i should say and the inertia and impact resulted in the sensor moving why did it move well because it's a stabilized sensor And if you, you know, you can even take the lens off and look at it, kind of wiggle while the camera's still on. It's like, I don't recommend doing that, but you can see that the sensor moves and you can even feel it. You can hear it a little bit and you can feel it move. But why did the sensor get scratched? I believe the reason is because the Viltrox focal reducer pushes the glass element. The glass element of the focal reducer is closer to the sensor than any Panasonic OEM lens. So Panasonic knows better than to make a lens that's going to have the glass be close to the end of the lens when there's a stabilized sensor, because the sensor moves. But Viltrox either did not test it on a stabilized sensor. Maybe they tested it you know, way back when the GH4 was a non-stabilized sensor, and they said, well, hey, this is working, so let's go with it. And then when stabilized sensors came out, they didn't retract or didn't test And I'll just probably, I mean, I know it's expensive for a company to buy every single camera that you can use with that adapter to test it, but you got to at least realize that there's a change when there's a stabilized sensor. And and the reason I say you could do that is because Metabones did. Metabones said, and and I, I know it's complicated, but they have a chart. With each of their adapters, they'll show you what cameras are compatible with and not compatible with. But when you look at it, it's like, okay... This is kind of complex, but thank you for telling me, right? Because they say stuff like if you use this, uh, especially with the Metabones XL.64 multiplier, it's like okay, that was designed for I think the Black Magic um, the pocket the small one with the smaller sensor because the .64 helps that to be, you know, closer to Closer to what the Micro Four Thirds would be at the 0.71 multiplier. So if you think about it, it was safe to use with those cameras. But then you take that off and there's only certain Micro Four Thirds cameras that could use that. So Blackmagic had a Micro Four Thirds mount, but the sensor was smaller. So what happened is the MetaBones company decided to make a list and a chart and showing which camera bodies you could and could not use things with. So I found out I could use the Metabones 0.64, which, which by the way, was the one I had purchased for $200 that was scratched. And I could use that on my GH4. I could not use it on the G7. I could use it on the GX85, but I could not use it on the G85. So they knew that it it was protruding into the lens mount more uh, than a regular OEM lens. And so they decided to warn people about it. Not so with the other company I mentioned. And they're kind of learning. And I really still appreciate the fact that they made a speed booster for a good price. However, their electronics in the Canon mount ruined my camera. And I know a lot of people say, well, I've had one. I've been using it for, I've had it for a couple of years. And it hasn't ruined my camera yet. I think they should say yet. Sometimes they just say, it hasn't ruined my camera. And I say, well, this one I had that was, it was, uh, really used a lot, it was older. And so there could have been some, you know, I don't know what the issue was, but it was also, let me tell you what lens it was that I was used, using with the Canon mount focal reducer that ruined my GX85. It was an old Sigma 17-50 2.8 EX. So that is an old lens. And when it focuses, it makes a lot of noise. Zzz, 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 you know, it's that type of, it's an old lens. And so Perhaps the power requirements were greater, you know, something like that, where it just didn't get enough power from the camera and it would cut out or I don't know. But it was so bad that when I was using it, I started getting these lines across the screen. They kind of look like um, focus peaking lines. And then it would freeze. And I'd be like, well, I can't do anything. I can't turn it off even. And so I decided to... Um, what did I do? I, I took the battery out eventually. And then I I took off the speed booster after the battery was out and I put on a regular lens and put the battery back in and turned it on. I was like, wow, that was scary. And then a little while later, it, the camera froze again, but it had done that like flickering thing more. And then I'm trying to remember the the sequence I had put the speed booster back on, used it again, thought it was just a temporary thing. Well, then I was the files were getting corrupted as well as having it glitch. and and so it's like, okay, this is not usable. Well, then I just decided that it was that speed booster causing the problem. And so I made uh, YouTube short. And then it happened with a Panasonic 12 to sixty kit lens. So not even, the, the focal reducer from Viltrox wasn't even on the camera, and I started getting glitches. And then, later, the shutter speed dial became unresponsive. It be, it got to the point where I'd change the shutter speed, and it would, I'd be trying to go one direction, and it would go the other direction. I couldn't be going up, and it would go down. And then, it got to the point where going left and right on the shutter dial, it would hardly do anything. I'd have to, like, rotate, like, three or four times for it to go up one uh, increment. And so I said, the only thing I can do with this is to leave it in the studio, all preset settings, set distance and set shutter speed and everything, and just leave it there and let it sit. And then somebody said, well, try to factory reset it. And And I was like, I've done that several times but maybe there's something to leaving the battery out for a while or something like that. But the thing is, I'm using it with a dummy battery. So now, or at least now I am. So there's long periods of time where there's no power to the unit because when I turn off the power strip, there is no power. So I can't say, (laughs) well, I can say that I don't recommend using the Viltrox Canon EF-M2, Mark II, I think it is, and I now have to say, unfortunately, I don't recommend the Nikon mount, the, well, I I always rattled this off so quickly, but it's the Nikon NF-M43X, that's the Nikon F mount Viltrox to micro four-thirds, or Nikon F to micro four-thirds speed booster. I'm just going to have to say, I no longer recommend that either, because of, the risk of ruining your camera if you drop the camera this leaves such a hole in my recommendations because i don't really know that the metabones would be even better i don't know that it would solve the problem for the g85 i might guess and say because the metabones 0.64 works in the gx85 but it doesn't it's not recommended for the g85 that maybe the same pattern would be true for the viltrox even though the Viltrox is a uh, 0.71x, but I don't want to guess. I just don't want anybody else to go through what I went through where I now have no cameras. This happened just after I sold my GH4 and my G7. And so now I have no cameras. I have the G85 with a scratch in it, and I have the GX85 that has electronic problems. All I have left... Is my Panasonic FZ1000, and so if you've been seeing a lot of videos recently about my FZ1000, and I've been trying to get the settings perfected and all that, that's why. <laughs> oh, and also I have my GH2, but I I pulled that out to use for stills, and I, in fact that's what I had to go. Oh, I, that's what I had in my camera bag when I was when I dropped as as a backup when I dropped the G85 at the at the sports uh, situation, and when I. Went to the GH2. It was like, okay, no stabilized sensor. I'm not able to handhold this as well. My shutter speed has to be higher. That that means I'm pushing my ISO higher. I was doing still photography at the time. And I thought, this is not working. So I pulled out my Panasonic FZ1000. And I actually finished the sports coverage with my FZ1000. And that was amazing. So I'm not saying that's what I recommend. It was, it was a sunny day. And I don't think that it would work in a low-light situation. Well, I know it wouldn't. (laughs) Pretty sure it wouldn't, being a smaller sensor. Um, But I'm still working with the FC-1000 here, and I want to get this figured out to make it as good of a tool as possible. So, yeah, check my YouTube channel out for FC-1000 tests. I've got one more change since the last test I published, and, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. But what do I do now about recommendations? Because there's a big hole in my kit plan because the 50 1.8 on the Viltrox 0.71 focal reducer is such an inexpensive way to get like an f1.2 lens. It was like this was working so well and then I could also take uh, like a 70 to 210 f4 or 80 to 200 f4 vintage lens put that on there and get like an f2.8 sort of telephoto for you know a pretty good price you know like a vintage 40-50 uh 80 to 200 f4 lens but then i started using the 70 to 300 on the focal reducer which is what i was doing most of the time and that's when i dropped my camera but now i have to use that 70 to 300 on a straight adapter which in you know outdoor situations with enough light that's fine and, and i like the extra reach because the focal reducer of 0.71 is not being applied so now you have like a 600 millimeter equivalent because of the 300 plus the 2x micro four thirds crop. And I don't mind that. It's just that I wish that I still had the focal reducer on there for protection from the sensor getting dust on it every time you take off the lens. But that's not as much of a problem as replacing the low light capable 50, you know, 1.8, that turns it into a 35, 1.2. So. The next thing I plan on testing then might be to go to one of these third-party, off-brand 35 1.4 lenses. I've already tested a 35 1.7 from Mikey, or Minky, however you say that, and I might go try the 1.4. Because 35 is the focal length I was targeting um, by taking a 50 millimeter and putting the 0.71 focal reducer on it, I was getting that 35, which is my favorite uh, focal length for a tight interview shot. You know, like the headshot where it's the close-up and then the wide shot is like half that is usually what I say for focal length. So 17 for your wide shot or medium wide shot and then 35 for your tight headshot for like a documentary interview style. But now, without a focal reducer, I've got to actually purchase a 35. Good news is there's a couple out there. There's, there's one, like I said, from Mikey. There's also another one from Seven Artisans. I think there's a couple others, but I have proven with other tests that I need at least F1.4 in low light for Panasonic uh, Micro Four Thirds, and I should say for the Panasonic Micro Four Thirds cameras I have tested. That would be the GH4, the G7, the GX85, and the G85. Now, hopes are that I will be able to migrate to a G9 or a GH5, or potentially a Panasonic S5 full frame camera. But my goal is to come up with a system that works on a budget. And so what I've said to myself is all cameras have to be no more than $600 each because I want to have two cameras. As my number one rule is I'll always shoot with at least two cameras. So instead of buying one camera for like a thousand or 1200 which would be, you know, buying the S5, I would rather have two cameras that I get around 600 or less. And that's why the Panasonic GX85 and the G85 are such valuable tools is because you can get a two-camera setup for like, I don't know, $300 for the GX85 used and about $400 for the G85 used. And the neat thing about these two cameras, and I've proven this by several hundred tests, is that they match almost perfectly. I've considered going to the G... X9 and the G95, but they both have a 4K crop that is most people would not be okay with. For the telephoto end, it's great, but for the wide angle end, it makes it challenging to find a lens that's wide enough. And then the G9 and the GH5, those are coming down in price so fast that it's like those are going to be attainable. I think those are going to be a great thing to potentially migrate to. The only thing I don't like is that I really appreciate the flip up screen on the GX85 when I have it mounted on the bottom of my dual camera rig. I've got, I think, a video about that, but my goal is to create a system that is inexpensive.